get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down District 4 athletics and activities week in, week out in the great state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey, and we are joined by Scott Burton, who usually has a, a catchy moniker of some kind. You know, he's got an alias that he'll go by. And most of the time, I understand the references, but I got to admit, this one I'm totally in the dark on, Scott. Theodorus Maximus. Hello. How we doing, Brandon? Theodorus Maximus here. And uh, there is a reason for that. Matter of fact, uh, before I get into it, that was it was something that I, I, I put on my golf balls when I played. You know, you get the personalized golf balls. I put Theodorus Maximus on there. And really what it stands for is it's, it's a little teaser to the Scott's thoughts coming up at the end of the broadcast. Um, gladiator mentality. And so my gladiator name is Theodorus Maximus because Ted is my first name. And um, there you go, Theodorus. And then, of course, Maximus, duh. And they're coming out with a Gladiator 2, by the way. And so, I mean, I learned the Gladiator 2 thing yesterday. So I was just like, there is no doubt that this is exactly what's happening today. It's Gladiator mentality. It's Theodorus Maximus. Gladiator 2 is coming out. My all-time favorite movie. So, you know, hey. It just made sense. The cards were aligned. In a world where it took us 23 years to come up with an acceptable sequel, it's <laughs> Gladiator 2. <laughs> I know, right? And this is it's, it's going to be one of those things to where you see the movie. It is so great, the first one. And you're like, why would you even make a sequel? Because the first one is so good. Um, Dumb and Dumber, same thing. Dumb and Dumber yeah. 2, seriously, come on. Caddyshack, Caddyshack 2, come on. Seriously, there are certain yeah. franchises that can pull it off. I am uh, a little nervous about the Gladiator 2 part. I mean, because Russell Crowe is, you know, are you not entertained? You know, how do you top that? You know, so I don't know, but it's still Gladiator. Yeah, I don't know. Hollywood loves beating the horse dead. That's for sure. They'll, they'll keep churning out sequels. Yeah, and, yeah. No and Denzel, Denzel Washington is going to be in this one, too interesting yeah okay. i don't know i don't know what party plays but he's listed in the cast as being gladiator too interesting all right well uh like i said normally i understand the references but this one was totally over my head and now now that makes sense so yeah i i thought you were you know you were telling the story about how you named the golf balls and all i could think of was the episode of the simpsons where homer legally changes his name to max power <laughs> 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 not quite but they're they're golf game very similar <laughs> yeah well i'm not sure homer simpson would ever know that golf courses can also be used as cross-country courses at times uh or to even know what cross-country is but <laughs> we did have the cross-country state championships last week in pocatello and we had some uh really good performances uh you know just statewide some incredible stories scott neela roberts of skyline became the first female runner in idaho history to win four individual state titles uh, which was really cool to see history being made there. 
You know, we had Rockland win the boys title at the 1A level by two points. Um, and they basically got the two points they needed from their number five runner who had had an emergency appendectomy only 13 days prior. So that was, I mean, going from getting the appendix ripped out to to compete in its state was incredible. We did have one individual champion from the Magic Valley, um, Allie Black from Rapt River. She is a three-time champion now on the girls' side, and we've talked about her a lot on the prep cast over the years. Um, and, and then the strongest team performance that we saw was from the Burley Boys, Scott, and they nearly pulled it off. They fell by five points to the juggernaut from Idaho Falls, capping what was an incredible season this year for Burley Boys Cross Country. Oh boy, what a what a special season for this, you know, Burley cross country team. This is um, this is a team that uh, hasn't placed at state in like over fifteen years, you know, and uh, a group of boys that started as freshmen that really just didn't know a whole lot about running, right? And they just kind of grew with their coach along the way over these years. And just got better and better and better. And, you know, this is a group that is just, they're fun. They don't take themselves too seriously, but they're committed to their sport. And, you know, going into this tournament, this this boys 4A state cross-country tournament, I mean, really, you kind of figured it was going to be the big three. It was just going to be Bishop Kelly, Idaho Falls, and Burley. And which way was it going to go? Because it was going to be maybe five, ten points that separated the three of them. And... You know, as it came down to it, Idaho Falls won by five points, and then uh, Bishop Kelly was eleven points back of Burley. And you know, it, what what a what a great showing! You know, and, and this is a two teams, Idaho Falls and Bishop Kelly, that have won multiple state titles in cross country, and, and they're consistently strong. And so, for this Burley team just to kind of you know crash the party a little bit and come in and kick the door in, dang near take home a state title. I mean, that's that's a pretty nice feather in the cap for you know, the little guy in Burley. Uh, so they're, they're pretty excited over there. Yeah. And, and as we look ahead to track and field season, we know Burley had a really strong team last year. Uh, Gatlin bear, of course, isn't going to be there because he's graduating at the semester. Uh, so he mm -hmm. can begin his, his, uh, LDS mission. Uh, and so everybody is going, oh boy, well, without Gatlin, you know, Burley's going to be hurting. You know, Burley's going to be just fine because they've got all of these incredible distance runners that also run cross country. So, well, I, and that's the thing that we noticed last year about these guys is that, you know, all the attention was, was put on, you know, Gatlin and the sprinting and, uh, and, and rightly so. And then all of a sudden, you know, Caitlin Harper's got this cross country team that is just, legit and we're like wait a minute this this burly team is a little bit more than their sprinters and so they have got some weapons here uh to kind of put themselves in a position to battle at state now it would certainly help if they had gatlin running some sprints but they're not going to have that and but man you can't say enough about these these distance runners that were that were so good you know and um they uh, like uh, Austin Ricks, you know, uh, started out as a freshman running 22 minutes for most of his races and then 20 as a sophomore and then third at state as a senior. You know, I mean, it's just it's the, the cool story behind this is you take these boys that were they were all freshmen and they just really didn't know much about anything. And neither did Coach Harper, because that's when she started coaching. And so they all just grew together and just got better and better and better. Um, you know, Ryan Garrett, another one, 
you know, missed running for the state team after uh, his sophomore year and then decided he wasn't going to let that happen again. Um, next two years and ended up taking second. So it's like just a, a, a tight, tight group. Um, and you just can't say enough about what they were able to accomplish in the camaraderie and just how close this team was. Yeah, Ryan Garrett took second overall. Austin Ricks finished third mm -hmm. uh, from Burley. You had Alex Rushton take 17th. Luke Monroe finished 23rd. And Will Cox took 27th. So the top five, all right there in, in the top 25. Uh, yeah. That's pretty pretty good performance from Burley for sure. Oh, no, no question about it. So, you know, hopefully for the Bobcats, it's something they can build on. But uh, it's it's going to be one of those years that you never forget. Congratulations, you know, Burley. Yes, and you mentioned the the big three, right? Idaho Falls, Burley, Bishop Kelly. I'm looking at the top ten here, Scott, and uh, eight of the ten slots are occupied by someone from one of those three schools. The two the two party crashers, uh, Alex Renna from Skyline, who took eighth, and Jerome's own Vincent Showers, who took tenth overall. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was coming in. You knew it was going to be the big three uh, all season long. They had just been so dominant that. Who was going to run better that day? And the conditions up there weren't stellar either. <laughs> yes. It was a little chilly in Pocatello, you know, yeah. so to kind of dig deep and, and kind of muscle through that, that cold and physical pain and sore muscles. I mean, that, that's a tough thing to do because on those types of courses, in those kinds of conditions, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. And I will mention that the 4A boys was the very last race run at 1.30 in the afternoon. So those guys had to wait all morning, all day yeah. to watch everybody else compete. I imagine the adrenaline is through the roof. And then they finally get to go on the final race of the day. So again, congratulations <laughs> to Burley on an outstanding season. Uh, we also had state volleyball last week. Scott up north and teams from the Magic Valley came up and competed really well. Uh, let's start quickly at the 3A level. Kimberly came in as the defending champions. We knew it was going to be tough. Uh, the field got better this year. Kimberly did take third. They had a chance to play Snake River to get back into the championship against Fruitland. They fell a little bit short. Fruitland takes first, Snake River second. Kimberly finishes third. They're still coming home with the trophy, which is a great showing. Yeah, anytime you come home with hardware, it's it's something special, you know, and so for Kimberly, I know it's not the color that they wanted, but still, it, you still have to make your presence known at the state tournament. And to be one of these, you know, strong programs, it's not always going to be about winning a state title. It's about being there and getting your program that state experience to when you do have that special group that comes around like they did last year. They're they're ready for it, you know, and the one they lost in the or to Fruitland in the semifinals there was. I mean, it was contested. It was three to two. So they could have been there, you know, and then had to uh, beat Snake River in the third place game. And so, I mean, it, they were that close. They were that close to a repeat. But again, you're bringing home hardware, and that's something these kids are going to remember. And I think sometimes coaches, we've got to realize too that kids, this is their one shot at it. When they're done and they graduate, that's it. You're going to, come back next year and maybe the next year and the next year. And so, you know, we can get upset as coaches like, Oh no, we should have done this and that. And that's all these kids have. And so you certainly don't want to send them out with a sour taste in their mouth when they just want a trophy. And I'm not saying Kimberly's doing that at all, but I'm saying it's really easy for coaches in the mindset 
to, to fall into that. So congratulations to Kimberly. Great job. Yeah. Another squad that as you're talking about constantly at state building a program, Murtaugh, they go to the one AD one tournament, Scott, and they come home with a third place trophy as well. I, I, Troy was kind of the overwhelming favorite. They're the three time champions now at one AD one, this incredible grace team that inspired our Scott's thoughts for this week. They took second place. Murtaugh finishes third, but a great showing for the red devils also. Yeah, you know, and this is a, a a team that could have repeated as well, but they are without half their starting lineup uh, from last year. You know, this is, I mean, and, and those guys were all first team all state too. So you talk about a rebuilding year, well, a reloading year for Murtaugh. This was it, you know, I mean, the whole season was spent trying to get it all figured out, moving people around. Um, you know, there were some freshmen in the lineup, uh, you know, it's just, who are we? And do we have enough left over from the previous year to, to carry us through? Because, you know, when you're trying to rebuild and restructure everything, you don't know what you're going to get. And, you know, last year they knew they were going to win it. I mean, they were just that good. But this year, tell them you're going to take third. It's like, okay, I still think we can win it, though. And that was their mindset going in. You know, so they had... You know, a few standouts at that state tournament too. Junior Mallory Kelsey, she was their go-to outside hitter at this tournament. She had 38 kills, 31 digs in the semifinals against Fruitwood. I mean, she was all over the place. And um, their junior libero, uh, Emerson Heatwell, 44 digs in that same match. So you're, you're, you're seeing a lot of these kids just dig deep, muscle through the pain, the fatigue, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, their coach is going to say that there was not a libero that was better uh, than theirs, and that's Heat Wool. Okay. And then uh, senior Kadrian Klinger, you know, their setter, she used her height, experience, some great setting. Uh, they're going to miss Annie Bruning, though. Um, she was a warrior, but this is a team here that you, you talk about a team starting here and coming here throughout the course of a season. This was Murtaugh. And, um, they're going to they're gonna be just fine. They've got some good returners coming back. And just like Kimberly, they're establishing themselves on the state stage. Yeah. So, Scott, I think I think you got your notes mixed up there a little bit. All, oh, those, oh, players you, all those players you just described are Kimberly players. That was Ooh. a good that was a good deep dive on Kimberly for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're hey, I did. Go, I did get my notes mixed up. So you're, you're totally good. Um because Murtaugh was kind of in the same boat. They did lose a couple of key pieces from last year's team. Uh, they did bring back some pretty good athletes, the Stanger girls and Courtney Jensen. Yeah. And uh, this is a team that also, you know, relied on a couple of younger players, a couple of sophomores on the team this year. So yeah. both teams well-deserved uh, third place trophies. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that was just kind of one of those things to where, you know, you, you write something down and you put it in the wrong column and then you just regurgitate. But, but yeah, there were some really good performances there um, from Kimberly and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we talk about that repeat mentality um, from Kimberly. You, you can't go into a tournament and not think you're going to have a chance to repeat. And, and I think that's what Kimberly was thinking too. It's like, we got a shot here, even though we lost a bunch of these players, we still have that shot because we have established ourselves. And some of those performances they had, especially against Fruitland, really epitomized why this Kimberly team is so good and why they continue to be so good and why they rolled through the regular season 
the way that they did. They, they, they just have got so much talent over there, boy side, girl side. It's a, it's a really nice um, uh, place to raise good athletes because they've got them all over the board. And, and we'll talk a little bit about their football team later. It's got the same great problem. Tremendous athletes over there. Yeah. Kimberly and Murtaugh, both their football teams are still alive. Yeah. And by the way, um, a lot of these volleyball players at both Kimberly and Murtaugh also play girls basketball. So just letting you know, right. Right. they'll be pretty good in girls hoops uh, this upcoming winter also. So yeah, let's, let's dive into what happened in football quickly, Scott. We're, we're only going to highlight a couple of the first round games because we could okay. be here for two hours talking oh, about boy. everything that happened in the first round. Um, I think the biggest story, the most exciting game involved a Magic Valley team that was on the wrong end of the scoreboard. So we'll save that one for last. Let's start with Dietrich uh, all the way down at the 1A D2 level. Scott Dietrich defending runner up from a year ago, but they did lose a lot to graduation and they experienced some ebbs and flows throughout the season this year. They ended up taking third place in their district, which was good enough for a playoff spot. But we talked about it last week. Okay, well, you got to hit the road now and play a district champion from district th from uh, district three council. Tough wow. drop, tough drop for the Devils. Dietrich says, "Yeah, we don't care. That's all right. We went over." And and Dietrich gets a fifty to twenty eight victory. Scott, um, they they fell behind. I mean, council scored the first touchdown of the game. Dietrich never caved to the pressure. They they recovered three different fumbles by Council and used those turnovers to bankroll a big lead that Council could never quite get back into. So well deserved win for the Blue Devils. Well, you know, and there's there's the pedigree of of somebody that's just been around in these types of games before. I mean, when you think about it, Dietrich played for the state title last year, and um, they lost Cody Power to graduation. That was their star quarterback and. Mr. Everything for Dietrich, how are they going to replace this kid? And that was really all the talk coming in because who was it going to be? Well, what do you do? You take one of your wide receivers in the name of Connor Perkins, you throw him a quarterback, and then let's see what he can do. And what does he do? He, well, he throws for three touchdowns in that game and runs for 188 yards. So, you know, they, they found their guy, and they were unwavered after that first initial drive, and they fall behind, and – they force some turnovers and and uh, they they get it going. Rez, Norman, Torgerson, they all catch touchdowns, and then the Dietrich machine that is just perennial, 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 just rolled, rolled, rolled. And now, what do they get next week? A rematch. <laughs> yeah, Connor Perkins definitely ate his Wheaties, Scott. He completed eight of twelve passes for 117 yards and three touchdowns. He ran for 188 yards and two touchdowns. He also led the defense with 14 tackles and a fumble recovery. Also. Of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's gonna have to eat like two bowls of Wheaties, though, and <laughs> everybody else is too, because in the quarterfinals now they're gonna travel up to the Kibbe Dome in Moscow to play this juggernaut. That is Kendrick. Kendrick comes in on a 22-game winning streak, Scott. They have not lost since a two-point loss to Genesee in October of 2021. But the one team that nearly knocked him off on this incredible run was Dietrich last year in the state championship game. Oh, you know, it's, it, that Kendrick machine is just something special, isn't it? And you're right. One of the very last teams to ever challenge Kendrick was Dietrich in that state title game last year. And you and I were on that call and it was a fantastic football game. And so it, it's interesting to, to think about, okay, what kind of motivation is that going to serve, you know, for, for Dietrich? But then again, you also have to realize too, that you've got 
pretty much a bunch of different players as well, you know, um, but it's going to be a rematch and, and uh, it, this whole bracket is Kendrick's to lose like it is every single year. But, uh, you know, let's see if Dietrich can give him another good game headed up to the Kibbe Dome. Definitely. Uh, when we look at the quarterfinals for the 1A D2 level, Scott, um, all three teams from District 4 are still in it, uh, where Canvas County had a first round bye as the district champion. They will now welcome in Garden Valley, a team they beat already this year, Scott, 50 to 14. So, I mean, we, we think the Musters look pretty good to move on. And mm -hmm. then you also. Hagerman, who just beat Mackey in the most lopsided score of any first round playoff game, they win 70 to nothing. Hagerman now has to travel all the way up to Mullen. It's right there on the Montana Idaho border in North Idaho. Yeah. Uh, Mullen St. Regis Tigers. This is a game that is a, a Saturday, 1 p.m. Pacific time kickoff, Scott, on IdahoSports.com. Video coverage. I'll be on the call. Should be a really fun game. Yeah, boy, what a long trip, you know, and that's you, you start to think about, you know, how how does that affect a team? You know, it's you're starting to get when you get into these brackets, these state brackets, you could travel from the bottom east part of the state all the way to the panhandle. You know, it, there's just no limit on the geography there because it's all seated. And here's another long bus ride. And, you know, for Hagerman, boy, did they bust onto the scene this year. We've talked about them a couple of times already. They're yes, going to have their hands full, but, man, they are playing some good football. This is their first time in the playoffs in some time. I believe 2015 was the last year that they were even competing in the postseason. I mean, they didn't even have a team for a couple of years because numbers were so low. So it's been great to see this renaissance from Hagerman. Uh, last week, Martin Gonzalez scored five rushing touchdowns. Wyatt Maven camped through a couple touchdowns. Kai Kendall scored. Um, they've, they've got so Kai Kendall and Wyatt Mavencamp, the quarterback, and Martin Gonzalez, and then this really tough as nails fullback, Wyatt Hoskovec. And I've kind of unofficially dubbed them the four horsemen of Hagerman, and they've been really fun to watch this year. So, yeah, boy, what, what, a, what a magical season they're having right now. So, I wish them the best of luck heading north. Yep, for sure. So that's what's going on at the 1A D2 level, Scott. Let's let's swing over to, I, I think, so Dietrich's win was the most like eye-opening from the opening weekend. Mm -hmm. The most impressive win to me was Buell going on the road to McCall Donnelly uh, and getting a 20-12 a to 12 victory. Scott, I, I, I came on this show last week and said, yeah, I like McCall Donnelly. And Buell fans, if I'm wrong, I'd love to come back and wear it. Here's me coming back and wearing it. I was very impressed. McCall Donnelly scored on their first two possessions, Scott. They're up 12, mm -hmm. 12 nothing, And Buell shuts them out the rest of the way. What an impressive performance. Yeah, what, what a huge performance. And I took Buell, by the way. Just I know. So you know. Okay. I'm way behind in the standings now in the pick six standings because of that. <laughs> so yeah, this was a, this was a Buell team that had another long bus ride. I mean, we just got done talking about that. They drove all the way to McCall. They get off the bus and they can't see the field. It's covered in snow. And that's not what's been going on down here in Southern Idaho. It's an actually very, very nice fall down here. Um, but yeah, they get up there. It's snow covered and they fall behind 12 zip just like that. And they kind of got it together. They realized at that point, it's like, you know, we got to make this physical. You know, we got to do what we do. And Buell's just one of those teams that, you know, they, they have to get physical at the line of scrimmage because if, if they don't play that style of game, they're, they're really not going to be successful, you know? So um, the big, big, big story, though, 
was the final minute. And the final minute was epic because, I mean, here we go with a, a, a home team, McCall, ready to punch it in, tie it up, take the lead, whatever, win the ball game based on what they do. And they get seven plays from the three-yard line or closer, and they cannot punch it in because Buell defensively stood him up at the line of scrimmage, pursued to the football, and boy, what a defensive stand for the Indians at the end of that game. How did they get seven cracks at it? They had a, a penalty that that uh, gave them a first down, so they were they were moving, and they had an offsides penalty, which gave them a new fresh set of downs because they could have gotten a first down inside, you know, close to the goal line, um, and then. You know, they had a couple of dudes, Gabe Finley and Riley Brunson, step up for them and just absolutely dominate. And they, it, there was some cat and mouse going on because if you go back and watch that, Paul was on that call and it was video. Yeah. And you go back and you watch that thing and it's like, yeah, there's a little cat and mouse, timeouts, whatever. But it just seemed that Buell was scouted them so well that they knew what they were going to run. And, you know, Shout out to their, you know, defensive coordinator, uh, Coach Sisson, who did a great job game planning that. And, um, you know, th their mentality in Buell is they're going to defend every inch of grass, no matter where it's at, whether it's at the goal line, whether it's at midfield, that blade of grass belongs to us, defend it. And that's just kind of their, their warrior gladiator mentality, just a little foreshadowing. But that's how they did it, and that's how they approached it. When you get a defensive stand like they did, that has got to be your mindset. And so, man, what a what a great effort on the road in the snow to move to the next round of the playoffs. Yeah, nicely done, Buell. I was wrong, and and I accept it, and I'm totally in on it. And now Buell's going to try and do it again, Scott. They're going to go, this time, a little shorter trip. They're going to go over to Pocatello to play inside Holt Arena. No snow there. Uh, they'll play on Thursday night, 8-15, on IdahoSports.com. They will take on the Teton Timberwolves, and this is a high-octane Teton offense with Thomas Huzavelt, the running back, Jack Nelson, the quarterback, Ty Brown, the six-foot-four wide receiver. Um, Buell's defense will have to carry the day again, and this time uh, they are inside, which is what Teton wants. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, because if you get a physical football team like Buell likes to play against a pretty high-octane offense in Teton, and you put them on the turf, advantage offense. You know, you get them out in the elements, uh, in the mud, the snow, the rain, the dirt, advantage Buell. You know, so Buell's going to have their hands full. So they're going to have to be a little extra uh, tonight, actually, at the at a whole arena to, to beat Teton. That's right. We're recording this on Thursday, November 2nd. Speaking of high-octane offenses, Scott, Kimberly, they're getting ready to host what to me is one of the most exciting quarterfinal matchups across the state. Weezer comes to Kimberly, and this is a contrast of styles. Kimberly and their high-octane offense versus Weezer and what's been a very stingy defense this year. Which strength will ultimately win out? Oh, boy, I tell you what, talk about strength versus strength. And, you know, the, the, the storylines are, I mean, you, get, you take a team like Weezer and head coach Tom Harrison, the winningest coach in Idaho history, and uh, just known for stout defense, toughness, running that wing tee that is just so difficult to stop sometimes when it's run correctly. 
And that, that's just their MO. And then you kind of flip it over and you've got a team like Kimberly who just has so many weapons offensively that they can just strike anywhere at any time. And so it's going to be strength against strength. And, you know, the, the knock on Kimberly has been over the years is they just can't get over that hump. You know, they would advance to get through the quarterfinals, maybe get to the semifinals, but they just could never get over the hump. And uh, I, I took them this week in in our picks just because I, I just want to see Kimberly get over that and get going a little bit more, not go one and done or play two games in the playoffs and be out when they're really, really good. But I tell you what, this is a tough draw that Kimberly has against Weezer. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, every week we do the Idaho Sports Pick 6 uh, on idahosports.com social media. All the prep casters make our picks. There's six games, one from each classification, and our 3A game this week was Weezer and Kimberly. Uh, I picked Weezer, Scott. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I know. I'll... This one, I will be honest, I I vacillated on this one a lot. I would like I got to take Weezer. There's no reason why not to, but the only reason I didn't is because I, I went with my heart instead of my head and said, come on, Kimberly, let's go get over and, the hump here. And, and I, I didn't pick Weezer because I think Kimberly's bad. I mean, both no. teams, both teams are exceptional and this is going to be, I think a really fun game. Uh, mm-hmm. This will be Friday night, seven o'clock in Kimberly should be a really fun matchup. Uh, those, so those are the three, a teams still alive, Scott, let's jump up to four a where the most exciting game of the opening weekend, I think was the game that you were on the call for on idahosports.com Minico and Emmett. Now it didn't go Minico's way. They end up falling by one in overtime, Scott, essentially the two teams traded scores. Um, every time Minico would score, Emmett would answer and vice versa. We get to overtime. Minico's got the ball first, right? And what happens on their possession? Well, you know, this was one of those games to where whoever had the ball last was going to win it. And it was just, before I get to that, the thing that was hanging around this entire game were the extra points, the, 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 just throwing the score off just a little bit to where it was like a one point lead. And then it was a one point lead. Then it was tied because somebody missed something. And then in the end, it all balanced out to where we go to overtime uh, tied at 27, and then we get into overtime. Minico's got the ball first, and by this time, teams are scoring. I mean, it's defense is not winning the day at the moment, um, and so Minico scores. They try to go for two. Carson Wayman, their quarterback, who's just had a whale of a ball game, gets stopped short, and now all of a sudden, it's like, holy crap, what's going to happen now? Because all we need or all Emmett needs is a touchdown and an extra point. And so the story behind Emmett is, you know, their starting quarterback, Shivey goes down in the first half. He got tackled hard and it was, you know, concussion type of situation. So he's done. Well, Isaac Brennan moves from running back to quarterback. And so they started running the, a wildcat formation the entire second half and some of that second quarter with with Brennan just kind of leading the way in the Wildcat. And then all of a sudden, Brennan starts to throw the football a little bit. And you talk about a kid that was just Mr. Everything for this Emmett team. Go to that overtime, and it's third down, and they run a pass play, roll out right side. Brennan hits his man, and now we're tied an extra point away. They trot on their kicker, which we haven't seen a lot of, 
And I think he cleared the crossbar by about maybe six feet and ball game over. And, and it was just a, a, one of those great epic football games to watch, but a heartbreaking loss for Minico because that was a, that was a special group of kids Minico had under first year head coach Sherman Blazer and, you know, not what they wanted, especially on their home field, but that was a good football team in Emmett. Yep. 34, 33 Emmett gets the win by one in overtime and so uh, congratulations to the huskies they'll move on to play bishop kelly in the quarterfinals this week and scott the only team still alive from the magic valley is twin falls because burley lost to bishop kelly and mm -hmm. canyon ridge went on the road without their starting quarterback and, and fell to hillcrest so it's all on twin now and twin got a nice tidy uh win over lakeland in their playoff opener they win 28 to 12 Austin Crum throws two touchdowns to, to Wyatt Salazabal. Uh, Dalton Carter scores on a blocked punt return for a touchdown. Uh, Twin Falls was up 21-0 in the first half and, and kind of powered down from there. Uh, but now they're, they're going to host Skyline, and this is another one of those very interesting matchups that is tough to predict. Uh, I, I, I picked Skyline in this game. Scott, this was on our pick six, right? Yeah, it uh, it certainly was. I took I took Twin just to kind of stay loyal to the uh, to to my area, but uh, yeah, this this Skyline team is is really really good. They are going to give Twin some fits. But the thing about Twin I like is that they are just from top to bottom about as solid as a football team as you can get. And if they can keep Salaza Ball just rolling like they have all year long, I mean, this is a team that really could advance into the deep into the state tournament, you know, and Skyline coming in with their record of seven and three, they had a big, big win over Idaho Falls winning that one 45 to six. But, you know, this is, um, this is going to be a challenge for twin, but I just, so, I, I, I like twin in this one. So, so when we did the pick six a couple weeks ago, I was the only person that picked twin falls to beat Minico and they loved me. I uh -huh. think they're, uh, they're going to be ready to, to, to roast me uh, if uh, if the Bruins do come through and beat Skyline. I just Skyline's the proven program. They're the three time defending state champs. The one interesting thing is, Scott, that Skyline, for the most part, during this recent run of dominance, they, they haven't left Holt Arena very often. They've pretty much just set up residency there and mm -hmm. done their thing. This is the first true road game that they've had to play in the playoffs in some time, having to travel to Twin Falls, playing outside. I, that could tilt things the Bruins' way. Well, you know, and I think that was one of the reasons that I really kind of leaned Twin this way is because you get Skyline out of their comfort zone and Twin being as good as they are, you know, Twins only loss this year was to Pocatello and Pocatello is a pretty solid program too. But you get Skyline in a place that they're, you know, maybe not so used to playing in the playoffs. Well, Twin has an opportunity and these types of opportun opportunities don't come around very often. And that's why I just think Twin's going to be ready they're solid, and I think this is going to be a really good football game. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic battle uh, for sure. Friday night, 7 o'clock in Twin Falls. Uh, 2A, Scott Decklow had the first round bye. They will now host Grangeville. Grangeville is a fellow district champion, but their max preps ranking was so low that they are the eight seed now. Uh, we we both like Decklow in this matchup. Grangeville is a team that's low on numbers, whereas Declo's got strength in numbers and, and looking to keep their undefeated season going. Scott, you'll be on the call for this game. It's Saturday, 1 o'clock from Declo on IdahoSports.com. 
Yeah, this is this is a, a solid Declo team. Um, they're opening up as the number one seed, hosting the number eight seed Grangeville, and in really on paper, kind of a lopsided matchup. But you know, that's why they play the game. But yeah, one o'clock Saturday, and I, I just see Declo rolling in this one. Yeah, and then at the one eight D one level, Scott, a lot of Magic Valley teams still in the mix, including Oakley, the number one overall seed. They enjoyed a nice first round bye last week, and they will play notice the champions from District Three. Kind of the same thing with Grangeville. Yeah, they're a district champion, but their max preps ranking was so low that notice is now the number eight seed. Notice is a little banged up. Oakley is not, and the Hornets uh, yeah. should be favored at home Friday night, six o'clock on IdahoSports.com. Another game you'll be on the call for, Scott. Yeah, I've got this one as well, um, Friday night, and I, I see Oakley rolling here as well. Notice, you know, notice is a good football team too, but they, like you said, they're coming in a little banged up. Uh, they're running out of weapons. This notice team is because they've lost their quarterback, their star running back. And it's going to be Grayson Benitez for notice. And you're going to hear, if you tune into the game, you're going to hear his name a lot. This is the guy, the only guy that really they got left that can just carry the mail for him. I mean, he's got 1,800 all-purpose yards and 30-plus touchdowns. And this is the do-everything right now for notice. And for Oakley, you know, defensively, stop Benitez and then do what you do offensively. I just I see Oakley rolling in this one as well. For sure. Uh, who else is still alive in the one ID one bracket? Murta is. They got over the hump and beat Lighthouse uh, after falling to Lighthouse last year in the opening round of the playoffs. No problems this time. Murta won 64 to 26. Uh, quarterback Sawyer Young rushes for 221 yards and five touchdowns. So it's not just Junior Benitez. It's not just Eli Merrick. It's also the quarterback Sawyer Young. Uh, they will play Logos, another similar high-octane offense. They spread it out, though, and like to throw the ball. Uh, this will be on Friday at 4 o'clock Pacific time from the Kibbe Dome in Moscow. Scott, I'll be on the mm -hmm. call for this game on idahosports.com. Really, this game will come down to can Murtaugh control the clock and keep that Logos offense off the field? I don't know. I just have a feeling that uh, this one is going to it's going to be the over. I think there's going to be some points in this one. Take the over, and it's it's on turf. Um, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be making some calls on this one. This should be a fun one, just because it's going to be so active. I think, um, but yeah, Murtaugh's going to have to find a way to slow down this Logos offense, which is just a juggernaut. So, on the road in the dome against a, a powerful offense on turf, it's that's going to be a tough task for Murtaugh. Yeah, and, and the one thing they do have going in their favor is playoff experience for Logos. This is yeah. the first playoff game in school history, in, in the history of the school. They've only had football for three years, um, and so this is their first playoff game. Eyes might be a little wide just initially mm -hmm. to start, so if Murtaugh can get off to a hot start, that might really put Logos behind the eight ball. On, on our eight-man prep cast that we do, uh, Coach Lane Kirkland reached out to Todd Jensen, the Murtaugh coach, and, and what he got back was, we're, we're dialed in. We are focused and we are ready. And they sound like a team on a mission, Murtaugh does. It'll be interesting for sure. So, Well, you know what? And the funny thing about it is, I mean, you, you take a look at what's going on in the fall at Murtaugh. And a small school like that, their volleyball team does really well. Their football team is doing really well. Don't tell me those don't feed off of each other through the hallways in a school. Because they do. And so when you get that small, tight school and people are just doing well, you, you, there's a buzz in Murtaugh and, and that is helping this Murtaugh football team uh, get ready to go. And plus, you know, coach Jensen's been around for a while. He knows how to do it. And you talk about experience. 
the experience isn't necessarily with the players because the players recycle. The experience factor comes in a lot with the coaching staff because they're the ones that are going to know how to handle the mindset of the players and how to prepare them because you're going to get some of these new coaches that just go into a state tournament for the first time and they're wide eyed and excited like everybody else. And every, all their players are feeding off of him. And it's like, you've got to be the calm guy, but act like you've been there before coach Jensen's been around enough to have that experience. Yeah. I was doing some research for the game and uh, coach Jensen, of course, coaches, he's coached basketball for a really long time mm-hmm. too. Uh, yeah. And he's, he's won four girls basketball state championships in his career. One at Marsh Valley, three at sugar Salem, Scott all time. in the girls state basketball tournament, coach Jensen is 16 and six, and he is four and zero in championship games. And so, that's I mean, that experience I'm telling you about. It's the experience <laughs> of the coach and how to approach these games and keep your players from just kind of, wigging out on you um, through excitement and nerves and all that kind of stuff. A coach veteran coach knows how to handle those situations. Yeah. Uh, a real quick note too. It has nothing to do with the magic Valley, but this was a cool story. I saw where you talk about football and volleyball feeding off of each other. Well, last week Bonneville, their football team had to travel to Sandpoint for their first round playoff game. Well, the Bonneville volleyball team is playing at their state tournament in post falls. So what is it? The sand, uh, the Bonneville, football team do well they stopped off at the state volleyball tournament for a little bit cheered on the girls uh that ended up taking second place at the 4a state tournament um so that was kind of a cool deal where the football team stopped off at post falls for a little bit to cheer on the volleyball team and when you can pull that off it's kind of a cool deal it it is i saw the picture online and uh it was just like oh that is so cool but you know those situations don't present themselves very often, so you better take advantage of it. And Bonneville did, and you know Bonneville is one of those communities that is so supportive of one another. They're, you know, perennial favorites in everything every year. They're they're just good, um, and so for Bonneville to do that doesn't surprise me. But what a, what a what a cool thing for their volleyball team. Definitely. Uh, Valley is also still alive in the football playoffs. Scott, they beat Potlatch last week, 30 to 16. They were up 30, nothing in the fourth quarter and Potlatch had a couple of scores late. Um, Thomas Vargas uh, had a nine yard touchdown run to open the scoring. And then he had a 35 yard fumble return for a touchdown. Scott, a fumble return. I put it in quotes because when you watch it on film, he literally just like takes the ball from the running back and says, yeah, I'm, this is mine. I'll see you later. (laughs) And he goes the other way. (laughs) Yeah. Statistically fumble return. Realistically, he was a bully. Let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah. So Thomas Vargas got a touchdown on O and D. Um, Now Valley has to go inside Holt arena to play a really tough Butte County team. That's, that's playing for a lot more than just, you know, a chance to advance, right. With rallying around their teammate, Dylan Waymeyer, who, uh, you know, is still battling the medical problems that plagued him a couple weeks ago. So a tough matchup for Valley, but they're, they're a fast track offense uh, inside the dome. Who knows what will happen? Yeah. Here. I mean, really for Valley, it begins and ends with, with their quarterback, Josh Hardy. I mean, what's he going to be able to do? Is he going to be able to, you know, get it to that second level against this Butte County defense? And this Butte County team is really, really good. And you mentioned it. They're playing with a little bit of extra motivation. Um and anything is possible up at Holt. And, and that's going to be a really good game uh, as well. Valley's going to have their hands full, but I think they can hang if they can just get Hardy going. 
Yep. Valley's been in a lot of close games this year with against good teams. So this won't be anything right. new uh, for coach Ayers and company for Valley. All right. Well, that is a rundown of all of the, the on field activities that are uh, taking place this week in the magic Valley. And now we're going to go, of course, outside the arena and uh, into the conservatory for Scott's thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> into the Skype board, really, I think is more like it. Yeah. We're going, things rattling around up here. We're going into the utility closet. No, I'm just kidding. Slightly uh, yeah, <laughs> putting it. The, the theme for this week's Scott's thoughts was all about, you know, digging deep. And we were inspired by the story of the Grace volleyball team that had to win three matches over 13 sets over six hours of competition to earn their way to state. They started at 6 PM by the time it finished, it was past midnight and they just had to continually go to the well and keep digging and keep going back for more. And that's easy to do once or maybe even twice, Scott, but I wanted to know how do you continue to go to the well and continue to try and dig deep time after time after time. And so those are this week's Scott's thoughts. Yeah, when we talked about this topic, it was really about pushing yourself to the limit and getting that extra because, you know, we all can get psyched up for a game, but to have that little extra when you're tired is really what it's about. So this one is about kind of pushing limits and gladiator mentality and those kinds of things. So here we go. It's the state cross country meet, and you're the coach of one of the most talented runners in the state. On this stage, it's time for your athlete to shine. All season long, he's been shredding the competition and not really being challenged. This is his moment. As the race begins, your runner comes out of the gate hot, setting a blistering pace, and it's enough to ensure a lead at the midpoint of the race. However, with 800 meters to go, your athlete runs by you on the way to the finish line, but there's something wrong. The look in his eyes as he passes tells you all you need to know. With 500 meters left, the field is closing in fast. And by the 200 meter mark, the dream is over. A third place finish was not supposed to happen. So why did it? What did you see in the eyes of your runner? Well, if you've competed long enough, we've all seen it. It's that vacant look where physical fatigue meets mental exhaustion. And the ability to push through, well, that's the light that just went out in your runner's eyes. The gladiator mentality, the ability to fight forward and the strength to overcome physical and mental exhaustion. It's something that separates the great from the good and the first place runner from your third place athlete. A while back, we talked about the power of the mind and what the mind believes the body will follow. Well, this week we take it a step further. You know, it's one thing to psych yourself up for the big game and not crumble under the weight of the moment, but it's something completely different to reach physical exhaustion and find the mental fortitude to push past our limits. And this, this takes the mental side of sports to a whole new level. You see, your body can withstand almost anything. It's your mind that you have to convince. Research suggests that the mind has a built-in safety switch that shuts itself down before your body reaches its physical limitations. And for most of us, that's where we shut it down too. That's the point where the effort plateaus, the workout ends, and we call it a day. 
And while the average athlete showers up and leaves the building because they did all they could, the champion stays behind and realizes that you either push your limits or you suffocate in your comfort zone. In the crucible of competition, the mind and its unrelenting grit must forge a bond where the will must be stronger than the skill. The problem is how do we do it? How do we take the leap from packing it in when things get uncomfortable to welcoming the struggle and knowing that there is more in the tank if we're just willing to believe it? Well, first of all, you got to remember this. There is a difference between pushing limits and being reckless. And all athletes who journey down this path, you have to understand that all bets are off if you don't take care of your body. You know, this includes nutrition, sleep, hydration, stretching, strength training. You get the idea. That has to come first. Now, that said, the mind is the birthplace of both good and bad habits. And a lot of trainers believe that the mind must be developed prior to the body and that most coaches spend too much time on the physical and not nearly enough on the mental. For late in the game, when they need their exhausted athlete to make a play, that light in their eyes dims and the physical overtakes the mental. What an athlete has to realize is that getting to this level of gladiator mentality takes unwavering discipline or everyone would be Maximus. The key is to familiarize yourself with fatigue to the absolute point of exhaustion. For example, in practice, if your coach has conditioning at the end of practice and you're running ladders, push yourself so hard that when you finish, you feel like you've reached your limit and there's nothing left in the tank. And then do one more. Apply this philosophy to the weight room, to the classroom, to the film room, apply this mentality to life. Test your limits and teach yourself to push beyond them in all aspects of life because limits are nothing more than your thoughts. And your mind is a battlefield. Don't be its soldier, be its commander. And realize it's not going to happen overnight, but if you quit, it won't happen at all. And while you are pushing yourself to the brink, you smile. No, seriously, you smile. As you push yourself past your limits, research does suggest that smiling in tough moments changes attitude. And better attitudes burn less energy. And better attitudes are more relaxed. However, you still have to be committed to the change. You don't always have to be motivated. You just have to be disciplined. And discipline is doing what you hate to do, but doing it like you love it. And that's why... There are not many gladiators. However, when you do encounter these champions on the field, pitch, court, you know who they are. They're recognized by their capacity to always find another gear, their ability to always make the big play, their dogged determination to not succumb to the physical. These are the warriors who don't let their worst enemy live between their ears. Look, physical fatigue happens to everyone, but when it dominates the mind, the wrong party is driving the bus. Overpower, overtake, overcome. It's a mindset, it's an attitude. And this attitude, although elusive to most, is what can make the difference in the color of trophy won at a state tournament. In closing, we all get tired 
to the point of stopping. We all feel like we've reached our limits and can't go on, and we all come up with a million excuses as to why we quit or didn't give the effort of a gladiator. When my body gets tired, my mind says, this is where winners are made. When my mind gets tired, my heart says, this is where champions are made. Average people quit when they're tired. Gladiators quit when they're done. And those are Scott's thoughts. Champions uh, don't mute their mic and then forget to unmute it. Uh, <laughs> Brought up in the moment. <laughs> yes. I, I was going to say, Scott, I think we just wrote the tagline for the Gladiator 2 trailer. I, I think so. I, I that, that last line, I was thinking that too. It's like average people quit when they're tired. Gladiators quit when they're done. Yeah. Oh my God. That's epic. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I like that one. It took it, that one was a little easier for me to come up with just because, I mean, it was so close to one thing that we did before about kind of handling pressure in the spotlight and blah, blah, blah. But this one was about the physical side of things and how it marries the mental. And, and you've got to have the right one in charge because everybody can get to the point they're tired, but can you get past that point? And, and that's where you dig in. And so I really like, I really like this one. Yeah. The degree of difficulty was, was pretty, pretty high for this week's Scott's thoughts. So I'll get, I'll give you a layup for the, for, for the, for next week's topic, Scott. Last week, I'm broadcasting a, a first round playoff game at Clark Fork. Right. And I am in like so many of our small schools, I'm there's no press box or there is a press box, but it's essential personnel only i'm i'm in the bleachers right i'm in the top row of the bleachers and i'm broadcasting and most of the fans are awesome there is one guy though that is like right next to me just constantly harassing the players from the other team harassing his own team's players harassing the coaches from his own team and all of that, okay, we've talked about that a million times, and that'll be another Scott's thoughts later on. But the language this guy was using, swear words that audibly, I'm sure, were picked up on the broadcast. Effing BS wow. and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's, that's this week, uh, the upcoming Scott's thoughts is language. The words we use, the words we choose to use, especially those words that, you know, if, if you somebody called you out on it, you wouldn't be proud of saying what you said. Wow. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a good one because that is something that applies across the board and man, knee jerk reaction to this one. Well, you talk about the fabric of society crumbling. It's starts in our language um, because that is our, our mode of communication. And if we devalue our language and the words that we choose, then we pretty much devalue communication and the way that we do it. You know, there's a certain respect level for the English language. There's a certain respect level for intelligence. And just because you know a bunch of swear words in Spanish doesn't mean you know Spanish, you know? And so, yeah, I think there's got to be a respect level for the language. And, and basically, you know, the, the morality of it all too has declined and, and you look at kind of what we've let become acceptable and we're always going to push that envelope but man you, you look at some of the stuff now that we see on tv and some of the stuff that we get away with 
that that's not the way that we grew up as kids. I mean, you, we've seen that change as well. So there's my first reaction to it, but that's a good one because that's across the board. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's at games, it's in, in every day. I mean, I feel like swear words have become almost casual, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in, in some walks of life. So yes, language, naughty language is going to be our like Scott's it. thoughts for the upcoming week. So, uh, like as a, as always, uh, we will recap uh, all of the big football action that happened in the quarterfinal round. Scott, uh, state swimming, I know, is also going to be taking place pretty quickly here. And uh, we'll update you on any big stories from state swimming, if there are any from the Magic Valley. And otherwise, we're uh, we're locked in and loaded for football. And, uh, man, girls basketball is, like, just around the corner. I'm not really ready for it. but <laughs> Yeah, next week, man. Next week it starts. Um, games, uh, oh my gosh, where did it, where did it go? I mean, this, this break that you get sort of between fall and winter just disappears so quickly. And here we go. Ground running next week for girls basketball. Yeah. Look out. Uh, here we go. So anyways, uh, we will bring the biggest stories to you once again next week, but until then for Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey. Enjoy the competitions this weekend, everybody. And we'll see you next time on the magic Valley prep cast on idahosports.com.